Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by the Alliance Safety Council, delivering instructor-led on-site computer lab and online training through more than 100 authorized training providers in 31 states and two countries. Headquartered in Baton Rouge, Alliance is focused on the future of learning technology and training process innovation for business and industry, for safety, and other corporate training needs. More information is at AllianceSafetyCouncil.org and by... Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. From Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report, Stephanie Regal. It's business, Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Being a mid-sized city in the Deep South, Baton Rouge is not known for being a creative capital. But the capital city actually has a wealth of artistic and musical talent that is often overlooked and underappreciated. It's not hard to find. It's just that this city sometimes seems to care more about the fortunes of its beloved LSU Tigers than its singers, songwriters, dancers, and theatrical professionals. Joining me today to discuss this are two veterans of the local creative scene who have worked for years to cultivate the vibrant and dynamic artistic and musical culture that we have here. Scott Gaskin is owner of Green Frog Music, a local agency that does event planning and business consulting and has also done plenty of talent booking, concert promotion and band management over the years. Scott founded Green Frog back in 1996. In the 22 years since, he has represented some of the most popular acts in Baton Rouge and actually around the country. Scott is a native of Baton Rouge who spent the better part of his career trying to grow the local music scene through his involvement with nonprofit organizations. These days, he also does a lot of consulting with local artists and musicians. Scott, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for joining us on Out to Lunch. Thanks for having me. With me in Scott is Molly Buckman, co-artistic director of the Baton Rouge Ballet Theater, which was founded in 1960. The company produces three professional performances a year at its home, the River Center Theater for the Performing Arts, and also hosts a national professional touring company every year. To many, though, Baton Rouge Ballet Theater is best known for its holiday performance of A Nutcracker, A Tale from the Bayou, which is an original creation with a South Louisiana twist on the classic Christmas ballet. Molly and her co-artistic director, Sharon Matthew, created the performance. Molly has been with the company since 1976. She also owns the Dancers Workshop, which is the official school of the Baton Rouge Ballet Theater and has produced some of the city's finest ballerinas. Molly, thanks for joining me today on Out to Lunch. You're welcome. Good to be here. Well, Scott, you've been involved in the local music scene since the 1990s, and really a lot has changed. I mean, as you were telling us, your whole business model is sort of in flux. You've gone from being sort of a, an, an agency that represents musicians and books bands to doing more event planning and consulting because the music industry has changed here. For the better? What's, this, what's going on? I don't know <laughs> if it's for the better for individuals or for the industry, but it has changed. I mean, since the, the late 80s and 90s, it was starting to grow. There was more places to see live music. The introduction of original bands had uh, be began happening here where you had your Cowboy Mouse and your Better Than Ezra's and then these little bands from around the area started to 
come out, but they didn't have a place to play. So one of the things we did as Green Frog, early nine, I mean mid nineties, late nineties, was introduce venues that were normally having original music to the original music, and it didn't work in all places, but. It was new, and it started a little scene. And so, like, what were some of the places we're talking about? Like the Varsity, obviously, everybody thinks about, right? The var- yeah, the Varsity's uh, was more of a bigger venue, which was a little harder to get into, but you had to work on the lower end of the scale to get to the Varsity, because that was your main place to play. Uh, you know, that was the place you wanted to, you know, that was the creme de la creme, I guess. You know, right. like, oh, we're going to play the Varsity. But you had to play the little Joe's Pool Hall first before okay. you could get there and we were the we were the Joe Pool Hall. We were the ones that would find the little places that could nurture the original scene, and it took off. I mean, a lot of clubs turned to the original music for certain nights. The Catery was one sure. that never had any <laughs> original music, and I recall bringing in an original band on a Wednesday night, and we packed it, and the owner was kind of shocked. Like, how did you do that? I was like, well. We hung flyers, we promoted, we did email, we did blah, 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 you know, and it became a thing. We, we would do original bands on a regular basis. Even as far back as the Bingle, Molly, you remember, remember the Bingle? The, oh, yes. <laughs> That's yes. where we actually started. It was a dying club at the point. Um, not sure what year that was, but it had gotten to a point of death, and we popped in there one day to put on a show with some band we picked up, and we kind of turned it around a little while, and then I think they got bought out by someone, and then we went to the catering, and from that point, we just started to branch out. And this was only 20 years ago, and then things changed. And I want you to tell us about what changed, but I want to bring Molly into the conversation before we get too far down that road, because you've been with the Baton Rouge Ballet Theater since 1976, which is so hard to believe, and, and you've really built it into the organization that it is today. Well, Sharon Matthews and I. Well, yes, yes, that's right. Co-artistic directors all the way, um, side by side. But the evolution has been has been positive, yes? Oh, absolutely. And, and you all have really grown and, and continue to thrive, even today in this era of, of, you know, instant technology and digital entertainment and other arts organizations sort of foundering out there. But the ballet theater is doing well. Well, there is nothing like live theater and dance and music, all kinds of music. And ballet is able to capture all of that in one performance. And it is all, it's been popular since the beginning of time. And it's always going to be popular to a degree. Maybe not to the degree that funds it as well as you would like to fund it. Right. But there, you know, there is no a shortage of people going to see Broadway shows or Broadway style shows. If you give them a product that they want to see, there's nothing like seeing it with a, a, a big audience and seeing that one show. It never happens again. It's only like that one time. Um, just like seeing, you know, LSU beat Kentucky on a last second shot or something. You're, you're experienced that with the crowd. Yeah. But that, that, that is special. But what is also special is that every little girl or most little girls. You took the words out of my mouth, right? <laughs> right. Wants to be a princess, a ballerina. And in the ballet world, she can be both a princess ballerina. And so, you know, she wants tiaras and tutus. And, and so that sort of helps feed, right? It absolutely does. And they deserve the opportunity to dance the same way 
boys and girls deserve the opportunity to play sports and to hone their skills and learn, see if this is something they can accomplish. So your ballet theater is it's a professional company. It's what we call semi-professional because we hire professional dancers, but we also have a pre-professional corps de ballet. It's the young dancers who are training to perhaps make a career in dance. And do they all come from your ballet school, um, the, the dancers' workshop, or do they come from ballet schools all around the city, or primarily from dancers' Well, workshop? we have auditions that are open to everyone, and we have had dancers from other schools, but the majority come from the dancers' workshop. And we also have dancers who come who move to the city and have trained other places. So that happens quite a bit. And then, of course, the, the older dancers, the professionals in the city, might come from many different places. Interesting. We are open to all dancers, but they have to have the real ballet training. So it's, it's, it's so hopeful to hear that ballet is doing well. Scott, is, is live music is not doing as well here in Baton Rouge as, as it was in the 90s. What happened? I, you know, it's, I guess it's relevant to, is, is it really the live music that's not doing well, or is it the overabundance of clubs that weren't able to survive the hard times and maybe those clothes which made it harder for the entertainment industry to survive because you know if you've got five places that have live music and then they don't exist anymore that makes it hard and it seems like we were headed in a good direction of of the originality and then somewhere it took a turn to become cover band oriented which I've worked with cover bands I've worked with many and they're great and they're good to have and they're fine but when you have someone copying and copying other cover right. bands I mean you've got bands that are copying <laughs> other cover, of cover bands band. you know it's similar it's, 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 rude, it's yeah. actually similar in the ballet world because my son's in a band and I know I know I've seen the evolution of being in the original band going to the cover band and they do it to survive they do it to they, they, they to. say they're selling out but they want to keep playing and they have to make money the same is true in the ballet world um, it's the it's but it's it's the it's sort of the opposite. It's the classic ballets, the the ones that, that have names like Cinderella. People want to go see those. They they want to see those. But when we do something new, experimental. When we have the equivalent of the music composers, when we have the young choreographers who are doing really exciting things, people are not as eager to pay to go. It's familiarity. Everybody wants to be connected to something that they're comfortable with. People will go see a movie. In, in 20 years, there's certain people that have seen, you know, Star Wars, Terms of Endearment, Grease, come on, like 20 times if they really like it because <laughs> yeah. they're, they know what's going to happen. They're, they're, they're ready for it. And I think music is like that. And if you look at music in general, just in the world, they force feed us music. They take a Taylor Swift or a Britney Spears or whatever the popular person, Bruno Mars, they're not giving us the opportunity to grow that music. They make us listen to it everywhere. And then you become into it, and then it's almost like you're sucker punched into liking it. Then everybody says, well, you don't play that song? Right. You know, it's, it's weird. So an original band that writes a song, that's a hard road. But if you can get through that and actually draw some attention and become something, that's a, that's a major feat. You know, yeah. that's a... And there's so much competing for people's time. 
1976, with the Baton Rouge Ballet Theater, there were only a few events happening in the city. Mm -hmm. And so the ballet was one of the biggest ones. We would be on the front page of the paper. Wow. When is the last time you've seen a, a ballet, something related to a local arts organization, on the front page of The Advocate? It, Unless it's the Nutcracker, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Not even that, not <laughs> even that. And, you know, it just doesn't happen anymore because, so now with so much competing for your time, you want to be sure what you're going out to spend time on is something that you really want to spend that money on. And in the case of music, I think people are, um, they're waiting for everyone else to tell them it's good, for it to become a hit, for it to become popular. There is they're, wait, they're, think, they're waiting yeah. for, for the they, to everyone to, to approve of it. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Molly Buckman of the Baton Rouge Ballet Theater and Scott Gaskin of Green Frog Music. Well, Scott, I mean, you would hope in a town with a major university. I mean, you know, there are people at LSU that have been out in the world and are, and are, and how are they not more open and receptive to like the more experimental, not even, we're not even talking experimental. We're just talking something that's outside the top 40 list or the Cinderella's and Nutcrackers. I, I think they're there. But it's weird. There, I've found over the years of my life is there's more followers than there are leaders. So if someone is leading the pack to go see that new Dave Matthews or the new DJ or whatever, and their friends are like, oh, yeah, i got to be with him. You know, i got to be with her. i got to be with that group. They fall into that, and then they end up liking that kind of music, whether they really like it or not. They, they <laughs> go and do it, and it becomes this thing or this craze. Well, well, my generation does that with the Red Dragon, going to the Red Dragon Very Sunday night, yeah. and uh, or the Be Nice concerts. Yeah. Those, so they, tell people who may not know about the Red Dragon because this is the Red Dragon a is a music listening room on um, Florida Boulevard. It brings the first in, in this town. Mm -hmm. Yes, it brings in wonderful, big names sometimes artists in country, folk, acoustic. Mm -hmm. Several, several different genres. It's the musician's musician. The person yes. who loves music yes. will go to so this. So that is a very positive trend, I would say. Yeah. And, it, and when they, you know, we, sometimes we want to go and we can't get tickets because wow. they, they sell out quickly. But everyone should go online and look for the Red Dragon. I would agree. We've, we've promoted shows there with Chris Maxwell, and it's probably one of my favorite spots. And there's other little listening rooms that have popped up. They're a little different, or uh, I'm not... I haven't followed them as much or had the time to go to them, but they're doing that. They're trying to do the same thing as bring that original music, the touring act, the songwriter. And those have actually popped up more so in this town than, than not. So I'd say that is a positive thing for the area. And you know what's different about the Red Dragon, I assume? There is no uh, promoter trying to make a lot of money. The, it's the artist receiving the money. Right. And that makes for a different experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Interesting. Well, speaking of money, let, let's talk about money for a minute because I know for arts organizations it can be very difficult. How is the Baton Rouge Ballet Theater doing, um, you know, in terms of Well, the, 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 thing, the, thing, that, the thing that we have built is a really strong organization. We have a really strong board and organization. And... Um, when all of us retire, it's an organization that we, I think, can be proud of the fact that it's going to continue. It has a very stable base. For many years, we were funded almost entirely by ticket sales, Nutcracker and whatever else we could do to sell tickets. That changes what, what you will offer to the public. In recent years, we've had a, um, been able to hire our first development director about 10 years ago. So we've had 
an ability to, to raise money and, and have memberships, people contribute. People don't understand, especially in this city, that the arts can't survive on ticket sales alone. Right. We never could, really. We were just all donating our time. Uh, but uh, now we have a, a good funding base of individuals who give in small amounts. We have yet to achieve major funding from major organizations. And, and do you apply for grants as we well? We apply for grants, oh yes. Um, there, that has been reduced drastically in the last eight yeah. years. Um, there used to be a community fund for the arts. That's no longer, that was uh, where we, we banded together and the Arts Council helped. And here in Baton Rouge, there's no longer the community fund. It does not exist arts. anymore. Did not and matter. things like decentralized arts funding, that used to be, we used to get maybe $18,000. They're down to like three and $4,000. So there's, they're not the, those kind of grants anymore. And just, just as a for instance, how much does it cost, say, to bring in a professional ballerina to be the Sugar Plum Fairy or? Um, just, just, just rough, for, rough terms. for theirs, if I were to take their salaries, hotel, and everything, it would be about ten thousand dollars. Okay, yeah. so we're not talking for huge one, money, for one. though. I mean, if but you can't do it with one, right? <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. So, Scott, what is your primary revenue source now? Um, because you said your your model has changed, as there aren't as many live bands doing original music and needing representation. You've sort of sagged more into consulting and event planning. Yeah, and that's happened over the years because this wasn't something that's just happened. And, and let me just say that the music industry is there. It's just not like it was moving in a fast pace. Mm -hmm. It seems like the changes that have taken, like the, the listening rooms and the new listening rooms, they're trying to keep that thing going. It just takes a while for people to support it. That's the sad part is the support. Cause, and that happens with the ballet or arts or anything. It's, do you remember M's Fine and Mellow Cafe? Oh, yes. <laughs> that's where the Red Dragon was. That's the first listening room, but that's where the Red Dragon came from. Okay. And uh, we would, I would invite people to come to this event or go see a band, and they couldn't get it. Like, they wanted to talk and drink. Oh. And it wasn't, they didn't, they wanted to be at a place that had a party, yeah. a cover band playing, whatever. So I think there's a lot of people that just follow that path, but there are the ones that want to listen to the good stuff. So just to correct earlier, it's not so much that it's fallen off or it's gone. It's just, it's, it's, it's kind of yeah. started over in a different speed or a different uh, uh, strategy, mm -hmm. you know, and it's more of the listening room type things. And those are hard. You get a, a room that fills 100 people and only 30 people come. Well, how long is that guy going to be able to support his business without either bringing in a higher name act, which is where, you know, Chris has done. We were able to bring in Joan Baez and Roseanne Cash and, you know, Marsha Ball and stuff like that. And that, that helps drive that revenue to keep it, keep it going. Um, so revenue stream for me, is, it's been interesting because, you know, Katrina came and destroyed the Gulf Coast. So 90% of my business was the Gulf Coast. Mm. So that was gone. So you take a million dollar company and just take away about 80% of that. Wow. And bands that we were booking and entertainment venues and clubs were closed. I mean, they were gone. So talk about a, a revenue stream uh, punch in the face. Um, it wasn't just changed. It was gone. 
and and there were bands that moved to you know if you got seven people in a band and you live in New Orleans well one guy lives in Chicago now and the other guy lives in Kentucky right, and the other guy moved right. to Baton Rouge it destroys a lot and it took a while for that to come back and if you notice in this industry when you're confound to an area like a Baton Rouge or this area we've had four tragedy I mean events the mm-hmm. flood Gustav Katrina I mean it's like all right I'm getting it back we're doing 600,000 or we're doing this or we're doing that and then all of a sudden a hundred thousand homes are flooded well they're not going to a bar to see a band or pay to go see a, a, a ballet at that moment they're I mean you might have some that can because they didn't get flooded they're wealthy or whatever but the guy that really wants to go He's not going. Yeah. He's got to put sheetrock in his... And this is a reality that we, we are going to continue to deal with down here. Absolutely. that That's part of the, the ballet's focus has been on, you know, we do have, we, we, one of our goals, our goals were to have a nutcracker that would help sustain us, have savings, one year's operating expenses and savings so that we Smart. could continue no matter what. And I feel like with help, I mean, we haven't done it by ourselves. We've done it with a wonderful board of directors and, and many people in the community who help. Um, we just are still looking for some big funders. <laughs> <laughs> now, I have to ask you why you're still here. The Nutcracker, just the sheer scope of that operation. I was just studying the program, looking at all the hundreds of little girls in it. And you've got four performances, and some of them are only in one. I mean, the coordination involved is just, it must be massive. I was just trying to think of, like, you hire a ballet engineer to figure it all out, huh? We do it almost entirely with volunteers. Other than our staff, artistic associates, Shannon and Molly, artistic associates, our office staff, our board of directors, the rest, of course, the board of directors are volunteers, too. But our guild, guild that is very very wonderful and valuable and work so hard they they do it and they those little girls come from all and especially the little ones they come from have, everywhere they come from everywhere they come from everywhere many come from out of town and many of them grow up doing nutcracker and we get people who come back now saying you know i i, I did this when i was eight and now i'm bringing my it's a rite daughter. of passage right, for yeah. so many right. little girls in this community right. Right. and and do they all try out and everyone does everybody audition. get a part? Everyone auditions. Almost. Almost. <laughs> almost. The younger one, of the younger ones, they almost all get parts, provided they are a size that we can we have a costume for. Okay. Most of them. Not all of them, but most of them. Um, we don't always have a place for all the little boys, which is tragic. Oh. You know, because but we try. We try really hard. There's As only so you, many trees in the dance. <laughs> right. <laughs> As you get older though, you do have to have ballet skills. Okay, then, then that really comes into play. No, I wanted to ask, though, it, it seems like there's a lot of dance studios for the kids. You know, my daughters right. go to right. dance, and they right. love it. And right. they, well, my six-year-old dances like Michael Jackson now, so she's like totally <laughs> right over here from ballet to right. doing this. I'm right. like, wait, what is that? But she does it well. I was like, all right. But they're everywhere. You drive down Corsi, there's like one over here, and there's one over there. You go down Millerville. Does that... You know, nurture, or is that a part of the nurturing of keeping it alive? Or do those people more or less doing it out of, I didn't get to do it when I was young, I'm going to bring my kids so I can have an hour to myself? Like, You it, mean the audience? What, keep, what populates the audience? No, is it are the, the kids that are doing this dance? Are they coming to you when they turn 15? And they, are they, do, some do we do. get the big some, dancer some, out of there? Some do, but in general, you, 
dance studios do a wonderful job of training dancers who can do all kinds of things. But to do ballet, you kind of have to specialize in it fairly young. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that pro prohibits a lot who start older. Now, there are the very famous ones like Misty Copeland, who started at 14. That's very, very unusual. But, I mean, you, all are welcome, but we have to have ballet training. It can't be a studio where they don't do bar because and you they really don't have like to start them. training right but aren't there, you grow aren't there up ones here in really town that do bar and uh, I, I'm sure that there are I'm sure that I mean I see great dancers you know that golden girls and and all sorts of things uh, that come from the studios but they're 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 doing jazz they're doing everything they're doing everything dancers and, workshop is the real deal the very traditional ballet. Yeah. But well, speaking one of, of real deal, before we go, because we're running out of time, I wanted to ask you, Scott, about the blues scene here, because Baton Rouge is the, the home of the blues we hear so often, and certainly in Louisiana. And, and what's the status of our blues scene? And have you been involved in that at all? Hmm. I don't think I've been involved in it in the, in, the, in the fact of, you know, growing with it or what have you. I think it's a great... Let's put it this way. Baton Rouge has great musicians. We have great talent. Yeah, great no artists. We have a lot of great things. It's, I don't think the people are supporting it like they should. The blues industry is great. Um, I, since the last few years, have opened up a bar, and I play. I have a lot of blues bands that play, and we tend to get a better draw for those nights. However, they're not welcome in a lot of clubs they don't want it they either want the top 40 or what have you oh. so that's confusing to me that yeah. here's an act that's so good i mean you've got guys like boogie long and and uh sundance uh, uh smokehouse porter you know they they all of these bands have won awards troy turner uh was a long time uh player in the scene uh there's great talent but i think the i think the blue scene is kind of where it is but I think it's great. I mean, I think they have great players. It's, it's just we have to grow the just, following. It's just getting the people to go. I mean, we, we do the Blues Fest now, and, yes, and, and yes. that's a great event. Is it all blues? It's mostly blues. I'd have to say that fest is probably the one that's closest to, you know, Jazz Fest isn't jazz. There's no jazz. There's like a jazz tent. Maybe. Right. You know, it takes a person like Chris Maxwell, yeah. who did what he did, or Derek Garden, mm -hmm. who started the mm -hmm. jazz series. Mm -hmm. Someone who, with a real, or, you know, people who do ballet. It, you have to have somebody who's driven right. to do it and will give up everything in their lives to make that happen. And spread the word and advocate. Right. And before I forget, what's your bar, Scott? <laughs> it's called Bottle and Tap on Corsi oh, Boulevard. Sure, of it's course. a music cafe. We serve a little food mm. and we have live music three to four times a week. Well, Scott Gaskin and Molly Buckman, you both have given so much to develop, nurture, and promote homegrown talent and to cultivate a creative community here in Baton Rouge. We're fortunate to have you both and thank you all both for being with me here today on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thank you. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Molly Buckman of the Baton Rouge Ballet Theater and Scott Gaskin of Green Frog Music. You can find out more about the Baton Rouge Ballet Theater and Green Frog Music by going to our website, itsbatonrouge.la. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino, Dave Winwood, and Ann Edelman. 
If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website, itsbatonrouge.la, and on our It's Baton Rouge Facebook page. You can hear this show and past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts, including Spotify, and at itsbatonrouge.la. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Baton Rouge is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily, 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and by the Alliance Safety Council, delivering instructor-led on-site computer lab and online training through more than 100 authorized training providers in 31 states and two countries. Headquartered in Baton Rouge, Alliance is focused on the future of learning technology and training process innovation for business and industry, for safety, and other corporate training needs. More information is at alliancesafetycouncil.org and by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world.